0: Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide. I'm in the car road tripping back to Denver. It's uh, left the hotel about 4.30 this morning. Just did a quick stop coming down from uh, Lewiston. I was at Seekins Precision. And then we stopped off on Saturday with Brian Morgan. Brian was the M and K&M, was part of CORE. And now has moved up to the idaho area and we spent the day in riggins with brian uh shooting some uh high angle stuff he's he's nestled in that hell's canyon region uh, and and just picked up some really great nuggets from brian but also from uh glenn i mean glenn's changing the game in a lot of ways with uh ars and when I say ARs that way, I'm mainly talking the larger frame, 10-style AR-10, 10, SP-10-style 10 uh, rifles. In, you know, one of the things, and, and I have an interview with Glenn that I'm going to play, so this will be kind of a multi-part road trip deal. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Seekin's precision, and then I'll, I'll let you listen to the interview that I did with Glenn. And then I wanted to get into another one and talk about our day with uh, Brian Morgan. Because, I mean, just some fantastic nuggets coming out of what Brian Morgan is doing. And, and I want to make sure you guys hear about that. But it, AR-10s and semi-automatics in general have this sort of air of... You know, they're not as good as bolt guns. You know, the accuracy's not there. There's, there's all these caveats to uh, when you talk to somebody with an AR-10. Uh, a lot of times it's a situation where they'll say, well, this shoot's good enough. Oh, it's better than the last one. And if they're anywhere near a minute, they're a happy camper. Trust me, guys. The, these people, you know, the Seekins, the JPs, the GAPs, and people who are doing this stuff on such a high level are, are really changing the game in some minor, minor ways. And we, we, we talked with Glenn at length, and, and it's a pretty long interview or video that's going to go up on his new SP-10M. Okay, now he's had the SP-10 out for a while. Uh, we were talking about him shooting the 243 variant. And and shooting it at Sniper's Hide, and then him and I shot it together. Uh, I I played with it a little bit uh, when he first came out with it down in Tennessee. And so his next evolution in that went to the M, and that's his military and law enforcement version. And people were asking about it on Facebook. I posted some pictures because we took it out yesterday and shooting it. And, And let me tell you what, man, this is every bit a bolt gun. All the quirks. That people talk about with an AR-10 platform, or you know, a, a large frame a rifle, when it comes to precision, they, 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 they've been eliminated. You know, a lot of times we used to see that last round flyer or the bolt carrier being manipulated by the magazine. There, there's the lockups between receiver and barrel, handguards, and all of that. Where, in, uh, in they showed me some of the testing they've done where their point of impact shifts depending on how you load the bipod depending on what you're doing with that rifle there's a lot more to it gotta take a look at this system i mean people like ars because as, as glenn put it they're lego rifles right you could do anything to them and because of that some things have gotten better and gotten real high-end. I mean, you can buy a, a crazy Zev for like 5,000 bucks in an AR. You know, that the, there's there's some tricked-out smaller ones that are skeletonized and engraved. You know, you want a, a skull on the front of your, uh, you know, in, in front of your magwell. They're, they're doing all these really neat cosmetic things. But none of these cosmetic things are are addressing dressing accuracy are addressing precision. We're snipers hide, right? This is the everyday sniper podcast here. And so precision and accuracy is a main goal of what we're doing. And the military and the law enforcement is moving to the semi-auto platform. It's more efficient. It's quicker follow-up. It it allows them to maintain position a little better because they're not coming up and running the bolt. There's a lot of benefits to running a semi-auto platform. But then everyone throws in these caveats again. Well, you're only going to get this kind of accuracy. They beat up this. They do that. You know, a lot of complaints. My brass gets beat up. Glenn addressed that. Glenn talks about how traditionally you know, between the gas system, the ejection, the receiver, and all this, because it's a component, you know, it, it's it's beyond, um, you know, one particular cause and effect, one part, it, 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 there's a lot going into it, and now the other thing he's experimenting with in, in sort of looking at is the caliber changes and how that affects the function of the rifle he he looked at this and he saw and the way he brings it back down was if you take a 556 look at the proportions of that brass of that case and bullet look at how that round looks dimensionally then take a 308 and look at it in comparison dimensionally okay not size we know it's bigger but look at it proportionally within itself in those two rounds. Okay, you got like a 5.56, five, very straight, and not a lot of shoulder there. And there's it, it a proportional element to the neck size to the case diameter, right? 308 is very similar. Now, start going to 6.5 and 6 millimeter. The neck gets really, really small. Okay, and it throws the proportionality of that case off. And when that happens, think about when that round is coming out of the chamber, the angle it creates and how the bolt carrier and where the ejectors are. Okay, and look at that element of it and where that tip angle is. Some people have gone and added multiple ejectors, right? So they're either two of them to try to push it out a little harder or what have you. Well, Glenn went to these two objectors, but he changed the position. And what he's trying to do is keep that case aligned because he wants consistent three o'clock ejection. And then that leads to gas systems, right? And we'll talk about that. And we did great interviews, great videos. I'm going to put this stuff up. But think about that angle and trying to work with that angle. And then as that round is coming out, what it's doing in, in the, the ability for that small circle within that large circle to move and not give you that perfectly straight out at 3 o'clock ejection, okay? Okay. So he's, he's worked on his bolt head, he's worked on that. Well then, not just that. He moved his ejection port as close as possible to his barrel extension. He then increased the size of the ejection port to give it more clearance because there's so many different ways you can catch and nick and foul that brass coming out so he's looking at it at this finite level all right and he's making these small changes and then the gas system okay we played it was downpouring on us it we okay we're driving out to riggins to brian morgan's place and we had great weather brian's there waiting for us to show up and he's like this is good hopefully they get here well we got there a little later had a, had a bit of a, a late start that afternoon. We get there a little bit later, and as soon as we start up the hill, downpours. And this rifle we're shooting is his two hundred and sixty SP ten M. As it stood, it had a you know a couple hundred rounds plus through it, dirty, not been cleaned. We didn't do anything to it, and then it's pouring rain it's mucking up. On top of it, it's cold, right? So now everything's gumming up a little bit. He's taking his gas block. He throws a click in it, and this thing's running like a rape date, man, and it's going great. I mean, you you know, no problem whatsoever, and we're getting insane hits on target, and and, and again, that's going to go back to what I learned with Brian because Brian's throwing out some great nuggets, but you know, he looked at the gas system. He, he looked at the carbine length, rifle length. He played with, okay, there's some guys that went two inches beyond. He played with that. He came back to, you know, and he, now this is mainly for tuning for the 6.5s and 6mm. Because, you know, tuning the 308s are aren't so bad. Tuning the 5.56s, forget it. You can do anything you want to the damn thing. But tuning the 6.5s is not as easy as it sounds. And, and it's a lot of work. I know like going back years 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 and I mean years 2003 George Gardner had cracked that nut with a 260 and a 65 with a, with the AR10s. Not very many people know when ASC first started okay you know back in 2000 2001, there were a group of guys shooting 260 GA precision AR10s a lot of them. And George had it working really well. But, you know, there's improvements to be made because we're asking a little bit more out of these systems today. So Glenn, looking at this in multiple ways, I'm looking at the ejection. I'm looking at the ejectors. I'm looking at the gas system. I'm looking at the gas block and how I tune it. And and those changes in itself have created better reliability. The brass is not beat up. You can reload the brass coming out of the SP-10. Okay? Right there solves a bunch of problems, guys, with dented cases on your AR-10 style platform. Blends can be reloaded. Boom. Looking at it this way solves that problem. But now, we're also, and we talked about this, and this has a throwback as well, In, in did it in a vacuum in a lot of ways, but it goes back to a conversation I had with David Tubb. David was shooting SR-25s and was doing NRA high power with, you know, a knight's armament stuff. And back then, he was telling me, you got to get rid of your... Um, your, your, your buffer springs. The, the buffer springs that are used on AR-15s and stuff that we just defaulted into AR-10s didn't work according to him. What you had to do instead was use a flat wire spring system and Glenn hit on that flat wire in a different way he 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 did something similar to what david was doing and i'm not going to get too deep into it because i mean i, I want glenn to be able to do it i mean down the road somebody's going to take apart one of his rifles and look what he's doing and go okay got it but i'm not going to spill that out right away i will tell you he's doing a long flat wire system well why you know do you want this long flat wire system the recoil pulse. Okay, he's trying to tune that bolt carrier into keep the recoil pulse consistently. When when everything and on multiple multiple levels with Glenn, it was to talk about balance, even with his havoc rifle. Rather than having a hard bolt lift up or a hard bolt lift down. He balanced the bolt lift on the rifle, okay? Make it a little easier on one way and just a tick harder on the other, a little harder on the bottom and a little easier on coming down. And what did that do for the Havoc? You're not pulling the rifle over. i mentioned that in canting the rifle. I think a couple early podcasts we were talking about uh, with bipods and how I like, I like the Elite Iron Revolution bipod because you could lock it down on those notches in a way that a new shooter was not pulling the rifle over because of a hard, you know, close on his bolt. Well, Glenn balanced that. Now, go to the AR system. Glenn balanced that recoil pulse to make it more consistent and to control the momentum of the bolt carrier group. As he mentioned it, You know, you you, you can't mess with the momentum once that bolt carrier is moving. You have to mess with it from the beginning. And with his flat wire system, with his tunable gas block in the gas tube length, he's now controlling that pulse. You know what it does for accuracy? It gives you a better feel it's a more consistent feel it doesn't have that multiple recoil pulse uh feel like hard soft uh, like there's, if you shoot certain ar-10 type rifles it, it like one round is it, is really cool another one's a little uh, not so great and then you'll get another one that's better and then it's good again and it has like almost like this three round cycle of Good, bad, awful. Back to good, bad, awful. Well, Glenn made it consistent. It's it's a smoother, straighter pulse. He's lining the bolt carrier group up so there's less influence from things like the magazine. He's not getting bolt carrier tilt influences. No last round throwing the, the you know out of the group. In in. It's translating at distance, right? Then, and we did this in the video. I, I highly, highly recommend you look at the video where we're looking at his upper receiver and how that triangle handguard he uses goes beyond just sitting flat on something like a barricade. And and you know he acknowledges that. A lot of people don't like the width of that flat triangle handguard. And trust me, on his Air 15 platform, with his tiny little handguard, I'm, I'm a small guy, you all know, it. we laugh about it every day. That little tiny handguard he uses feels fantastic. If you were three-gunning or door-kicking or doing whatever you have to do, it's such a small handguard, you, you get great feel on it. It works fantastic. But when you go to his SP10 platform, it's bigger. It's it's wider because he wants that balance and that purchase on obstacles, you know, whatever the case may be. He knows we're going to be using a bipod. We're not running around with a 20-inch plus 6.5 Creedmoor SP10 and kicking doors in with it. We're probably going to be shooting it prone or off of, you know, like a normal PRS type of thing. So it has more of a stock-like feel. Underneath that upper receiver, it's about material. Okay? It's about the 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 the, the, the aluminum receiver. We're talking aluminum here in the barrel And where the barrel nuts go and how the barrel nuts act. You can apply pressure and move that receiver. And here's a test for you guys. If you have a solid shooting, you know, large frame platform, 308, 6mm, 6.5, semi-auto, load and put pressure on one bipod leg only. Like, if you you think of it like a board, okay? If you take your bipod and you push your bipod against a flat board and you're loading into that and you're not doing a neutral hold, you're doing a little bit heavier hold. Well then, take something like a block and put space only on one side and only load one leg at a time do three shots with the left leg loaded and the right leg not having not having contact and then do three shots with the other leg the right leg being loaded and not having contact you'll probably see a significant shift horizontally in your point of impact pinching barricades or, or door frames or anything where you may be putting cross pressure on the handguard. take a look at that with that tiny little space in that area where the barrel nut is it it can it can cause shift in that aluminum and that's your point of contact these things are, are, will move, man. It's aluminum. Now, you get some of the like the JPs and the POFs that solved a little bit of this lockup, and they get really good accuracy and stuff. They're doing it another way. They're doing it sort of externally by using that larger heat sink, which gives them a little bit more mass with the barrel nut. They're not doing a smaller barrel nut type system, okay? So, they have that really big heat sink which is helping you know take some of it but also goes right back to that area so they're solving it in an external way but if you look at glenn's upper receiver and even the ones he's he's done for some of the other that aren't the triangle sp10 version they're round he still has those and we have them in the video there's a ton of material up there in his barrel nut goes into that material and not over the top internal threads versus that stripped down external threads because a lot of those guys are working on eliminating weight they're shifting weight from these things so that's what's going on there there's it's this connection it's this point of contact between the barrel and the upper receiver. Now, talking about the SP-10M, to get back to this further point, within that system, Glenn also has, and it's in both the commercial and the SP-10M, but I'm gonna kinda go over the distance, or difference rather, not distance, difference. Glenn has two set screws. And these set screws then hold that into place. Well, now, when you go to the M series, the M is a system. Think of your Accuracy International rifles, okay? Well, what the M does is the M, everything gets locked down to the point where the end user cannot remove the barrel on the M. If you try to take the barrel off, SP-10M, you're probably going to rip your threads out. So for you law enforcement and military guys, when it comes time to do barrel changes and do all this, and, and Glenn will t- watch the video. There's so much detail. It's it's a, It's a long video. I'm not going to hack it up. Both the history video and the SP-10M video are detailed i think they're both 15 minutes plus i know one's 20 minutes i think the other one's in the 15 minute zone you get the whole upper receiver okay when you get the replacement for your rifle your system he's swapping it out for you in a barrel change the receiver goes with the barrel and that's what makes the 10 different there's there's also other areas it's it's a hand-built rifle and then it's put together there's only three guys in that shop that do the SP10Ms, okay. Uh, the, the, everybody else does the commercial. There's extra layer of QC. It's not. Uh, it's not batch checking. In his, his small batch. Uh, you know, he, he, a, a big batch is, is, is or uh, yeah, the bigger batch check that he does QC wise on his commercial line is either one out of eight components. Or one, or, or one out of um, four. So it's one out of eight or one out of four. Well, the SP10M goes to QC, and they're all checked. And then when QC signs off on the the parts, then it goes for hand assembly then it goes back for qc for double checking proof testing all that stuff they get different levels because of where they're going there's prints that go with them there's proof targets that go with them so it's it's a different thing even though it is technically the same rifle certain barrel contour changes and stuff like that so that's the main part of what you're getting into and why you're paying more money. It's it's really kind of going to the level of a true custom rifle. Okay? In in, in even though it's it is still semi-production, it's it follows the more of the mentality of a custom build. And so and his the, the investment he has in QC is really through the roof. What he's done automating the, the shop, he's actually re- reduced the number of hands that are required to move parts around, but then he's increased the quality control aspect of it. So the machines are, making, are doing things in a much more efficient way. The fact that he doesn't have more, more people touching and moving parts speeds up the process eliminates the potential for human error and then all that goes into the qc side of things before it comes out the other end i mean he's really looking at this stuff on such a finite level it's 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 enlightening it's refreshing it's it's amazing and and don't get me wrong there's really really great large frame platforms out there you see me shoot them I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with all of them, but I'm really digging on the direction he's going. And heck, you know, there's guys going in other directions to do very similar things. You know, variable mass, bolt carrier, uh, uh, buffers rather, the bolt carriers and how they're doing it, what they're doing with gas systems and stuff like that. There's guys looking to skin that cat from another direction. Uh, again, it goes back to the number four. One plus three, two plus two, you know, zero plus four. There's a lot of ways to get to the number four. Glenn's just going about it in his way versus what some of the other guys are doing going about it their way. And and I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying there's so much to be learned on how to drive these platforms. I mean, heck, him and I went in the test tunnel he has a 100-yard test tunnel behind his shop. And we just dropped down playing with looking at the gas system. We did a little bit of video, and I got some slow-mo and some stuff. I'll, I'll try to get fired up for everybody. But, I mean, my first three rounds out of this thing, just kind of right off the bat, were, we're sub-half-minute all three rounds touching of the 260. You know, boop, 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 they're there. They're, 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 it was this perfect little you know, pyramid of three rounds, downrange range at 100 yards, just dropping down Stone Cold in his test tunnel. We go out to distance at Brian's, and initially we, we had a, a dope change, but once we got his dope uh, from meters to yards, because um, we had to change, uh, Brian's stuff was all in meters, and then Glenn's was all in yards. Once we did that, and we got his software re- readjusted to the right system, I was first round dinging stuff and crazy wins. And then even once I got the wins at the farther distances, you know, 6, 8, 100, 1500. We were getting freaking solid one right after the other hits on steel off the tripod. You know, you saw me with the funky tripod. You guys asking me about that tripod position. That's the Brian Morgan podcast. That'll be the next one after this one. But that's the Brian podcast I'll talk about. That's a Brian nugget. He's got to to get 100% of the credit on what he's doing with the tripod. It's great moving from flat range to, you know, the mountains and stuff and what he's doing there and how he reinvents himself because he's now in a new area. We were talking about context of things, talking about, you know how, how some people will say, well, they crack the code on one thing and crack the code on another. But then, you know, take them out of that comfort zone and it it, it doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't necessarily work the same way. So understand context of things and understand what's going on there. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right here. I, I want you to listen to the history of Glenn. And I want you to, to understand, you know, where Glenn came from. He, 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 he was on Sniper's Hide in the beginning. He did his very first group buys in 2003. It, yeah, 2003, group buys on Sniper's Hide with Seekin's rings. And then Seekin's matched uppers and lowers. That's how far back it goes. So, you know, listen to uh, me and Glenn having the conversation. And, and, and I hope you enjoy Frank from the Everyday Sniper, uh, also Adam and Mike, great job with the reloading stuff. They, they knocked it out. They, they took it. You guys are just eating that stuff up. Uh, I, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic crew with this podcast, man. You are not going to get the rock stars anywhere else like you're getting here. And the ability we have, you know, I'm up here in the mountains with hardly any cell service and doing my thing with Glenn and videoing. And Mike and Adam are back in you know, Denver doing their thing in, in answering all your questions, and, and you're getting it on, on multiple varieties of precision rifle, man. It's so deep, so freaking crazy, but thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, we're on iTunes again, so you can get that stuff on iTunes now. They got that sorted out. I, I really appreciate it, and I think it, it, you guys are really, really going to like what's happening. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. And have a great one, Frank from Snipers Hide here, talking with Glenn Seekins at Seekins Precision, and we just want to go into a little uh, history backstory of Seekins Precision. You and I have a really long history that a lot of people may not know. Um, you know where you came from, but I, you know, and I don't mean that way, but you yep. know, kind of the growth of Seekins. You got the new building here, you got the new processes and everything that you're doing, new new products the Havoc rifle, which is super successful, right out of the gate. There's some really interesting stuff going on with the Havoc, and I, I was talking to the guys, we're gonna probably do a six PRC on the Havoc, uh, back at mile high, I'm gonna oh, nice. um, Yeah, that's what I'm gonna, I told them that they were, do, let's do this, I'm like, I went out on Havoc. I told you at shop. Yeah. So Yeah, so let's, little background with Glenn Seekins here.
1: Well, um, you know, we started out in about 2003 or four, Yep. Three really, but four is when we went, you know, actual have a business. Yes. Um, but, you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but the whole, the way we launched our product, you know, I was originally on a hunt and I missed a big white tail buck. I don't know if my rings were broke or something was screwed up with my scope, but it had to do with the scope rings. Okay. And at the time in 2003, nobody really made anything that would work for hunting, but then and stand up to some abuse. You know, we had like dual dovetail sure. turn-in rings, and um, or you had some really heavy steel rings that the military used. Uh, so, the way we, you know, the way we launched the business, I, I came out with these scope rings, and uh, the sniper side was
0: going then. Mm-hmm. And was not nearly as many members. No, I right think now. that back then we probably had like fifteen hundred members.
1: Yeah, there wasn't very many. No, um, but we, you know, we became a dealer for U.S. Optics. And the whole deal was, hey, if you buy a scope, we'll give you a set of scope rates. And you know, I talked to you on the website and was like, hey, mm-hmm. can I do a group buy on scopes or see what yeah, problem? I don't know how this works. And see if I can launch this product. And you know, you're generous enough to say, Yeah, I don't give crap. Go ahead and do whatever you want. <laughs> and so that's how we launched our product. And it just word of mouth on the sniper side really. Right. And as
0: that community grew, we grew. It became the standard you had like Badger Leopold and then it became Seeketh rings, right? Yeah Yep, and you know today we build them
1: for vortex their precision matched rings our Mm -hmm. rings with our their logo on them Um, We sell a lot of our rings Mm -hmm. And then we've obviously expanded into a whole bunch of different products. Yes, but that all started from the scope rings
0: from sniper side and and then you, you went to the lowers and I, we still have the, the first ones were sniper side lowers that you, yep. you when you did the match set. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first AR components. In, in, and I remember when you called, you're like, hey, we're going to try to do this. I know everybody's making them, but can we do another groove buy? Right. And right. it's like, yeah, cool. Right. You know, why wouldn't you want it? And, and they were unique looking at the time. You, you had yep. that distinct shape. I mean, I, I know I've I talked to you about it and called them. It, it's kind of fanboy stuff. I said, right. Glenn, the girl on Walking Dead's got your thing. And he's like, <laughs> and you were like, yeah, Halle Berry's got it too. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Right. A little bit of everybody. Yeah. Um,
0: but, you know, we, we
1: started off in our garage. Mm-hmm. I actually started off at a friend's shop. Okay. And uh, I worked there at night for a couple months while I was waiting on the machine to come. Mm-hmm. And then we put it in the garage, um, quit my job, my day job, doing design work. Yep. And, uh, and then stayed in the garage for about a year. Um, but it was almost like being the kid that's homesick and all your friends are gone. Right, you <laughs> yeah. have to motivate yourself. And... Yep, yeah. yeah. so I was, you know, you wake up and you go to work at home and you stay at home, and there was sometimes weeks I didn't leave the house. Um, and then as we, you know, it was obvious we were growing, mm-hmm. and so we started looking for a place, and, and they have a business incubator here in town. So the way that works is they have really cheap rent, to get you going. Yes. And so I, I signed up for that business incubator program and we had a little tiny shop with one machine in there, one person, me. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I got some help mm-hmm. and then we just started growing from there. Uh, we moved out of that space into a bigger space. Yeah. And you know, it's just like this shop, you know, three years ago, you could play basketball out there today. <laughs> we can barely drive the forklift in there. Right. Um, and the other shops were the same way. You know, I started out with like 1,500 square feet. I was like, man, we're never going to fill this up. And then six months later, it was like, uh, we don't know where to put our raw material. And then, uh, so you go from there. Then we went to about 6,000 square feet. And we did play basketball in there. <laughs> we park our pickup inside yeah. the machine shop. Um, and we just had fun, you know. And um, We were always about having that family culture. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> I look at it as a, a place that I would want to work. Right. So take it out, you know, you're an owner of the company. You have your own idea and your own vision of what it should be. If you take a step back and you pretend that you're an employee, well, what's an employee look like? We want to attract good employees. Um, so it was always a dream to have, you know, I want a pool table and I want a big lunch room, and I want family dinner. Yeah. So we started that family dinner in the old shop. Um, at first, there was like eight of us, so it was no big deal. We cooked every day. Sure. You know, we bought a Traeger and like a pallet of pellets. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, you'd be smoking stuff and it cooking. Like, and then, yeah. yeah,
1: those guys that would come down there and they would throw stuff on the smoker for everybody for lunch that day. Nice. And then after lunch was cooked, they would throw the, whatever they wanted to take home for dinner on the smoker. So we put the Traeger place here in town said so we put 25 years worth of use on that smoker the first year we had. <laughs> so it just didn't shut off. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. Good time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when we started to really grow, it took us about uh, three years to find land to build a building. Okay. Because we, you know, I'm talking You of have a good. vision, probably. I have a vision. You know, we have a plan. We have a vision of where we want to take the company, where we want to go. And you can't do that if you're stuck in a little box. Right. Um so for me, what, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about the business and firearms, obviously. I want to be able to shoot on the property. Mm-hmm. So we can walk outside and shoot in the underground tunnel. Um I'm big into riding dirt bikes. So I want a motocross track in the front yard. Yeah, got one. <laughs> you know. Um I want a pool table upstairs, big lunch room. We've got four smokers head on the deck. Nice. And
0: now we feed forty people a week. And, week. and just to, for people to know that the culture here, it is a family atmosphere. You you, you left, um, in fact, I had left my jacket and keys in here, but you left right before me. Your entire employee staff is out in the parking lot hanging out together. It was right. not a mad dash to the exit. No. That we, we probably spent, and it was raining yesterday, and we spent 45 minutes in the rain hanging out, yeah, just telling BSing. stories and just BSing with yep. the entire staff. Right. And, and again, it, 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 that's the culture you've created where everybody's getting together as a family with your dinners, with hanging right. out. And then, hey, what are you doing tonight? What do, what's going on here? Hey, we're going to be over here later. And, and that's just a fantastic atmosphere to be working in. Yeah, and
1: today's Friday. So everybody, everybody works 410s. Mm-hmm. And then we have a Friday, Saturday, Sunday shift for machine shop. But those guys who work four tens most of the time. They're here on Friday, dinking around with their own personal stuff. Right. Shooting guns, building guns, working on the equipment in the shop, building pickup parts. You know, you name it. There's always yeah. something going on. Um, but that's the culture we wanted. So to build that culture, we needed to, you know, right. need to have a home. Yes. So it took us quite a while, but we we lucked out. We bought forty acres right here where we we're at, and it's right in the center of. It's kind of the center of town. Sure. Um, but we're in the county, so we can get a little giveaway with shooting turkeys in the front yard and <laughs> having a cross track and doing all that fun stuff. Um, but it was a big deal to me and Katie to have a place, mm-hmm. you know? When you look at who you work with, you spend more time with those people than you do with your family at home. Definitely. So, you know, we pick employees that'll play well with each other, but, the, but at the end of the day, we're all friends. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that was really important. So, so having that home, you know, we found this 40 acres and we designed a building around manufacturing mm-hmm. and and process flow. So right now it kind of looks like an L with that little end of the L is assembly. Um, but we want to build another building on the edge of the L to make it a U. Okay. And then assembly now will become R&D
0: and quality control. And, in, in, in that's the other part. I like a lot is that you're constantly moving forward You're looking at every aspect of the system right. to be able to fine-tune it and it may not be a big swing for a home run You're looking at hey if I get a guy on first to make this a little bit better the next swing could put him on second and the next swing right. can fill the bases and then I can do a home run right. and in and I think that vision and the fact that you're not resting on the Seekin's name, you're not looking back and you're not becoming Glenn in the suit and tie who's missing and where did Glenn go? You're out there shooting. You're out there doing all this stuff. You're interacting with all your workers. (laughs) One of the things that yesterday, uh, one of the front office girls, she popped open her trunk to grab something that had nothing to do with anything. Right. stack of ARs in her trunk. It's like she's got nothing but ARs in her car, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's, yep. it's, it's, it's a culture here. What you're doing and, and what we all do is a lifestyle. It is. And you've embraced that lifestyle as well as being a people person and taking care of your workers and making that friendly atmosphere. And I, I really think that resonates in your product.
1: It does. It, you know, it's, <clears throat> we build product, mm-hmm. but that's not all we mm-hmm. manufacture we're manufacturing a culture and a lifestyle. Yep. And if you can harness that, then the end result is the product,
0: then the product's gonna show, all that stuff is gonna come out in the product. Big time, and it does. It, yeah. I mean, it, your, your name, like I said, you have precision in the name, it shows, and you're in a space that traditionally didn't chase precision. Right. You, you know, as far as the, the 15. The, no, they, they just chase dollars. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's knock out as many units as we can, at the lowest price possible and just make sure they run so we don't have enough, you know, a bunch of phone calls. But you're, you're not going in that direction. You're like, yeah, they have to run. That's, that's a given, but they have to be accurate. They have to do this. They have to solve a problem or a purpose. Right. And it's not necessarily solving a problem, but it's it, it, this has to have a purpose. Right. And that purpose has to go back to the culture of Seekins and the precision part of it. Exactly, you know, Katie and I, when we
1: really bear down, it's like, okay, we're going to do something with this and make this some... We're going to make this and be part of something yeah, bigger. bigger than yourself. You know? yeah. Um, we've got around 45 employees right now. Very sophisticated shop, mm-hmm. um, so we can stay tight-knit. And, you know, that's
0: a, it's a part of the culture. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think coming from, you know, here, here coming from the ring sets, yeah, and, you know, you started out with with a, a ring, and it's a vision. And right. for somebody out there who's watching this or listening, you, you just you, you have to have that passion. Yeah, you, the, it, it pays to be the end user of your own products, right. clearly. And then you know it's that follow through after that, in, in in bringing it to the next level, and then for you, you know, for everybody taking the risks. Oh yeah, yeah. You, 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 There's a risk involved. There's a risk, but in taking that risk and knowing. I'm flipping a coin here, and it can fall either way, but I believe in it. Right. And I'm gonna flip the coin and I'm gonna take the risk. Right. And and then let the industry, the market, however you want to word that part of it, decide.
1: Yeah, I mean you look at the Havoc rifle. Mm -hmm. You know, we've always wanted to do a bolt rifle, but we've just been so head down trying to make enough product, try to keep customers happy with getting enough product. Um, build a culture, build a machine shop up, make sure the quality department is where it needs to be so that as we ramp up our manufacturing, yes, quality is also stays on par because that's a lot. QC, keeps really
0: every conversation you and I have had always comes back to your QC. It does. And, okay. and y- you know, you, you'll go, Hey, we're doing this, we're doing this. But my QC guys are covering all this and they're taking care, making sure right. nothing gets missed. And even the investment in your machinery is sure. being backed up by your employees right you know which they have your back
1: absolutely i mean the, a building without employees is just an empty building right it's just a shell so it's it's really the people in the culture that you manufacture as you're manufacturing mm-hmm. you're manufacturing that and and that's very important you know so we decided to do this havoc rifle i was on a hunting trip um, with somebody's in october and i was like you know what ARs are a lot of fun, but man, I've put everything I got into them. Mm-hmm. And we're at a point right now where any changes I do, is there'll be very, very small, like the bulk carrier group for the ST10. Sure, and, uh, Very small changes that will have some impact, but and it's not that I don't want to stop innovating in the AR market. Definitely want to, but we also want to be smart about our business choices and diversify mm-hmm. and I'm passionate about hunting. Sure. Look at your backyard. Yeah. (laughs) Look at our backyard. We're at the head of Hell's Canyon. Yeah. And it just opens up to God's country and all the hunting you want. So what does Glenn want in a bolt rifle? Well, I've shot PRS and I've shot tons of competitions around around the US. Mm -hmm. We've hunted all over the place. Um, So I've got a good idea of what I want in a hunting rifle. And I've always taken that same approach with all of our products. What does Glenn want? Uh, Glenn wants this if Glenn wants that chances are other people want that sure so that's how that's how we do product development Glenn wants this or somebody says one of the employees could come up and say hey I have an idea and it's like oh man I'd love to have one of those
0: yeah well, guess what <laughs> you're <laughs> thinking about three other things this way maybe you're not thinking but they are right and exactly. now it's it's again it's that culture of hey by the way here's a space we're missing yep you know. Yep. There so you go. The,
1: the havoc rifle started in a pickup, driving home from Wyoming after animal pun. You know, it's a eighteen hour drive or whatever mm-hmm. it was. So we didn't have anything else to do. So I designed the whole havoc rifle in my head with my buddy, just talking. Yep. And When I got home, I started drawing it up on CAD. That was in October. We took it to shot show. Yeah. January. The next in well the next year. Okay. So it was it was like a ten month cycle from, from the time i said hey i want to do a bolt rifle and i'm thinking about it and i'm kind of doing a little bit of design work to when we said hey we're going to do a bolt rifle mm-hmm. we're going to take the shock show it was 10 months and we took production versions of shock show nice and we've made some changes along the way um, you know now we have a brand new stock but that havoc rifle that's that's from the culture here that's you know lucas from our quality department um, he runs quality and he had, he's a gun guy. Yes. We're all gun guys. Um, everybody is. seems to be. Right. So he's like, hey, you know, if we balance how this cocks, how the cocking mechanism works, mm-hmm. we balance that trigger and the engagement and all this other stuff. We're not going to disturb the rifle when we're laying on it and we lift the bolt up. Right. We want to stay on target. Right. When the bolt goes down, you already got momentum going forward, so nobody's going to really notice if it's a little
0: bit stiff on the down because we're running the bolt. It's like, hey, let's try it and. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not, it's not overly heavy on the up or overly heavy on the down. It's balanced between yes. up and down, so you're, you're, you're not pulling the rifle over. And I've talked about that a bunch in mm-hmm. training that people will tend to pull the rifles over because their bolts are too hard. Right. And this balances that, so you're not too hard on one direction or the other. You're, you're split in the middle.
1: Yeah, and it's different, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to push that envelope and try to do something different instead of just saying, "Oh, here's another Roman 700 that doesn't look like a Roman 700." Right. Um, it's completely different.
0: Once you look at it, if you just look right down through it, you can see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's way different. So, um, but you know that part and solar goes into all of our products, it goes into our people, and it goes into our customers. Yeah. So, I've got I don't know how many friends on Facebook. <laughs> um, I, probably too many like the rest of us right I don't know but I get people reach out to me all day long every day on Facebook mm-hmm. on Sniper's Side, on email some some people have my personal cell phone number um, so that customer contact if you want to talk to me call right you know I'm available yeah and if I'm not I'll, I'll call you back
0: sure but no, this is, again, it's, it's, you're a gun guy, you've been out and doing this forever, back to, you know, the day, I, I remember running around all the matches together and running into everybody, and, and growing out of that, you, you never got away from your roots of no. that. Yeah, so it's always come back to that, and, and I, I think that needs to translate to people, which, you know, a picture in a magazine can't really say that, and that's no. why I think people appreciate this part, having this access for you, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Katie and I still live in the same house we bought after we got married. There you go. Before, I mean, that that I started the business in. Mm-hmm. You know, the garage looks a little bit different, but uh, there's no. You, see. you can put a car in it now, yeah. right? Yeah, you can put a car in it now. So, um, but you know, we still live in the same house. We've we got two beautiful kids, and mm-hmm. and we enjoy. Life. Who's designing rifles? Yeah, this is Gunner's right here. This is actually going to be. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna use that one. Yes. You know. So they're, they're starting young. Right. We'll have the Thunderbolt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. yeah, that's, a, that's kind of our story. So. There you go. That, that's the behind the scenes with Glenn Seekins. Thank you for inviting me out yeah, and letting yeah. me come into your your home, your office, your shop. It's been fantastic. And, and I hope everybody on Sniper's Hide likes it. Because yeah. they're getting access I don't think you've ever seen before. Nope.
1: Nobody's ever done this with us. So. Cool. Have sure. a good one. All right. Thanks, guys.